Hey everyone, and welcome back to Just Girls Talking Podcast. This is Savannah and Maria, and we are so happy to be back with you this week. Um, today, we are actually going to be talking about childhood trauma, i.e. <laughs> as in, did you have a good childhood or are you funny? Question to ask yourself for the day. <laughs> So today is February 22nd. We hope you had a wonderful President's Day, if that's of note, because <laughs> that was the best holiday weekend. <laughs> but we're excited to get into this one. Um, we're actually, today, um, we are going to talk about childhood trauma and the effects leading into adulthood. And we don't want this to necessarily be like, you know, Sad. <laughs> I feel like we all suffered through childhood trauma in different ways, some bigger than others, but definitely I feel like my brother and I especially have developed this talent to where we can make a joke about it because for a while I was sharing my childhood trauma with Maria and it was the funniest thing that she, oh, it was so freaking funny. Um, I think the first time I heard one, I was like, yeah it, it had, was like oh. and then you know she started laughing i was like okay i, I think i can laugh so yeah throwing a little like exactly so like, nervous laugh i'll make and then after a while like i will see her like laugh more i'll be like okay i think it's okay for me to laugh so i like i'll start like laughing a little bit more and now it's like you know she just makes jokes out of it i'm just like no ah. yeah you have I to like, make light of it because yeah. i mean it well, happened years ago it was fucked up. It shouldn't have happened. But I mean, here we are. We've lived, we've learned from our parents' mistakes to not repeat the past. And, um, but yeah, that was one of the funniest things Maria had said to me six months into our office mate friendship that I'm sharing my childhood trauma with her. And she dead ass looks me in the eyes and is like, you know, sometimes when you tell me these things, I don't know if it's okay to laugh. <laughs> Like, and then I see you're I laughing and I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, should I hug her? Should I laugh? Should I be like, it's okay, girl. Nah. <laughs> I laugh because you know, she told me it was okay to laugh. Yeah, it's okay. We can laugh. We can laugh. I mean, <laughs> time's moved on. I've survived. Luckily, I didn't suffer an incredibly traumatic well, I mean, it was pretty traumatizing. Um, I didn't realize how messed up some of the stuff was going on until I started to sit down and talk to, you know, regular functioning people who had healthy childhoods. And I was like, wow, okay, I guess this isn't normal. So <laughs> I guess this isn't what we all go through. But um, so the first one that I find interesting, Maria, do you have any childhood trauma? stories that you can think of I'm trying to think of one for me well I guess we can say this one like mine was my dad drinking unfortunately you know the, um, the thing the he my dad was never a violent person so that is a good thing about him while like we, while he drank a lot he never like you know hit us he was just like a happy drunk i guess that's what the best was that yeah high fun yeah. high functioning drunk oh, I mean, like, <laughs> like a lot like sometimes he will be like hangover and still go to work and i'll be like 
how can you handle that? Right. So my dad was like super dad, like going to work. <laughs> like, super I dad, get lit on his I ass every like, night, yeah. still showing up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still show up. He was super responsible. So it is a good thing about my dad that, you know, like he had <laughs> the power to do, like still drunk and was still able to work. But um, I, I do call it a childhood trauma because like, yeah. you know, it, it will be a lot, like, I will see it a lot, and, like, it'll be, the thing is that it didn't start it as a child, it started more, like, as a teenager, like, yeah, I can say from maybe 13 to, until now, well, of course, not now, my doesn't, doesn't drink anymore, but, um, yeah, it will be, like, a constant thing, but, um, I think that's the only one I can come up with right now, I can remember. I have a bit too many to, it's hard to like pick where does it all begin I don't know um going into substance abuse I guess that's where we start off with um yeah my mom she would she's a little bit of a stoner um big time stoner actually she loves weed which no shame I mean I don't have anything against weed at all marijuana any of it um but <laughs> her friends were quite something my mom actually had me pretty young she had me when she was about 19 years old and my dad was a lot older than her at the time well still of course he's older than her and um and so she had me young um and kind of not missed out on the partying phase. Um, she just kind of continued it while raising me. <laughs> um, she got to live out her partying phase. She got me some good babysitters so she could have a minute to herself. And sometimes the party, um, well, I guess it would be considered an after party would be at the house when they, you know, be buzzed out and smoking a little bit on the back porch and such. Um, actually, this is funny. I have a really funny story about my mom. Um, so I think I was about four years old. Yeah, I had been four because my brother was just born. And of course, my mom, like she's a single mom at this time. And she lit up pretty much every night um, for her anxiety and such that helped her sleep. And so there was one night that she lit up and my little brother we were asleep in our room and, you know, obviously marijuana side effects, you get a little, you know, skit out, like, you know, your little, your anxiety, you're a little more paranoid at times when you're high. And, um, she thought she heard something outside and ended up calling the police on herself. <laughs> she just laid up in the house and immediately called the police because she heard something uh, like some noise outside. And she was like, holy shit, like I need to call the police now. And, <laughs> and so um, realized like two minutes after she calls 911 that the entire house smells like reeks. And so she has to go around with air freshener, like spraying the whole place down, like, holy shit, they're going to catch me. And it, it came to find out, I mean, it was just a freaking raccoon, but um, <laughs> that's just, you know, a funny little story to reflect on. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, actually, I remember living in that house a lot. I remember my brother puked in my hair one time and I was super pissed. I remember learning how to wash dishes at four 
<laughs> just because it was fun, you know, because I, I like to play in the bubbles and that was stupid of me. Young, young Savannah, young and naive. Dishes suck and the bubbles <laughs> are not fun as you get older. So. <laughs> Learned how to do dishes in that house. My little brother puked in my hair because um, I was letting him chew on it <laughs> and watched my mom beat a woman's ass in our laundry <laughs> Oh, God. Um, but yes, I watched my mom actually beat this woman's ass because she came looking for trouble. <laughs> and my mom doesn't put up with that shit. So <laughs> she beat her up in my laundry room and I witnessed it. <laughs> the four-year-old I was. And I remember I was not afraid. I was not afraid. I do recollect, recollect cheering her on. <laughs> oh, mommy. <laughs> and um, her friend, who was there at the time, actually had to put me and her son in the bedroom. So we didn't watch it anymore. But Aww. after, <laughs> at, no, I remember that night too, because um, her kid literally ripped off my Barbie's head, my breast doll's head. So I, oh, freaking, I hate that guy. <laughs> so um, anyway, she put us, in the room so we couldn't watch it anymore because obviously it was kind of messed up <laughs> and um but what I do remember is that after the fight was over when I went into the laundry room I actually found that my mom had ripped the woman's earring off and so <laughs> I taped the earring to the refrigerator <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> I taped the earring to the refrigerator <laughs> to show that nobody <laughs> nobody <laughs> messes with her mama. <laughs> that nobody can beat my mom's ass. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Dude, I was like <laughs> Oh God! This episode you will hear a lot of laughing, unfortunately, from Savannah. Oh God, Savannah, we should stop because then the other little story is gonna come into our head, and we are won't stop talking. Okay, you. Childhood, childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I taped her earring on the fridge <laughs> to show other people that. You can't fuck with my mom. She's not hey. to be fucked with. <laughs> Have you seen modern families where, like, um, Jay and Gloria, Gloria, like, kills one of the rats, leaves the he rat's head so the other hat rats can see it. Oh, so my god! not to mess with it. <laughs> right? So I guess that was my way of keeping bad spirits away. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but yeah, that is, <laughs> I remember that house. <laughs> it was yellow. <laughs> oh God. You probably if that detail is important, yeah. what is it? <laughs> how it smells. I know like candles. We always had candles in my house. Yeah. <clears throat> so probably cinnamon apple. <laughs> That's what my mom liked. <laughs> girl, your whole house smells like cinnamon apples. No, pumpkin girl, pumpkin. get it right. Yeah. My house smells like pumpkin. <laughs> Right now, it actually smells like cranberry. But anyway, <laughs> getting into, getting back into topic. Um, this is actually one of the articles that I read. Um, 
that I found quite interesting. And some of these things, of course, I know because I'm in therapy <laughs> and then new things that I've learned. Um, but symptoms of childhood trauma in adults. And so one of the effects that lead into when you have suffered from childhood trauma, uh, the emotional symptoms can be anger, unresponsiveness, anxiety, emotional outbursts, depression, and panic attacks. There are also physical symptoms as well, which I actually felt was quite, I, I thought was quite interesting because I, I, I didn't know some of them. Um, poor concentration, shakiness, night terrors, lack of energy, physical illness, and sleep disturbances. And then behavioral symptoms as such as compulsion, eating disorders, impulsiveness, isolation, numbness, or callousness, and general disorientation. Oh, wow. So, wow. Those are, that's a lot. And those can all stem from having PTSD, you know, from your childhood trauma and things that have been left unresolved. Yeah. And um, going into your adulthood and you haven't really talked it out and really not just accepted it. Cause I mean, obviously you've accepted it. It happened. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. really to accept. I mean, it happened, you know, you move forward, but sitting down and just realizing, I mean, these things that happened to you in front of you are not your fault. I mean, you were not in control. Mm -hmm. You were a child. You shouldn't have been put in certain situations and you were. And I mean, you're learning to talk those things out and create healthy habits to express your emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. And that's something that I'm still learning because I do have a handful of these. I definitely suffer from anxiety. I was diagnosed with it in eighth grade. Um, post generalized anxiety. Um, I, as the older that I'm getting, I'm not having as many emotional outbursts, but there are times where I, I'm getting overwhelmed and I just, I wig out. Like I just start crying because I don't, I don't have that right coping mechanism, you know, to calm myself down. So I just, I need to get it out. Um, you learn a little bit about like when it comes to emotional outburst. Of course, now from PTSD from two years ago, mm -hmm. you know, we know which one we're talking about. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I just feel overwhelmed, I feel like I just like, you know, close my eyes. I kind of like think about it. I'm just like, ignore it. You know, the, that's usually what I do. It works for me because, um, yeah. you know, it just, just stays, stays there, stays there. Yeah. And it gives you a second to reassess too what's going on. So it gives you a minute to breathe. Physical symptoms, I don't think. Um, I suffer for too many. I sometimes do have poor concentration. I always felt like I kind of had ADD in a bit, like in a sense. I wasn't diagnosed with that or anything, but I do feel like I have it because I'll want to work on multiple things at one time. And I do, I get them done, but I like get them done spontaneously. So like I'm working on multiple things at once. Um, so I don't know if that really categorizes in poor concentration, but I like, I like, I just lose interest and I need to move on to another one. And then, um, behavioral symptoms. I definitely have impulsiveness. I'll want to jump into things before thinking about it. Um, definitely in, earlier on becoming a fresh adult. That's something that I really, really 
I was on. Like I wanted to do things right now um, and, you know, make the decision immediately without really thinking it through. And thank God, like I've had my in-laws to kind of teach me that, like, you know, you can have a minute (laughs) to think about your next move. Like you don't need to do it immediately. Give yourself time. And when it feels right, do it. Um, I feel like that was just the environment that I grew up in, honestly, is that we were always doing things on a, on a dime, you know, we weren't really thinking it through. It was just boom. Okay. We're moving, you know, like, and it wasn't planned or thought through. I mean, we'd be moving in like weeks time and it wasn't like a planned out thing. So I definitely have to say that that would be from my childhood and something that I more than likely inherited from my environment. Anything on your side? (laughs) Well, I think wasn't on the first episode. I think I mentioned about something that did happen to me Mm. Um, when I was like four years old, four or three years old. I want to say four. Um, My mom dropped me off at my aunt's house. You know, she was actually pregnant with my little sister. And I do remember like being underneath the table with my cousin who was just like months old in his little berry carrier. Mm -hmm. And um, all I saw was just feet. And mm-hmm. obviously it was my, back then, aunt, my aunt's husband, and they were both like screaming at each other. And I do remember hearing her cry. And of course I was like, I don't know why I was underneath with the baby, with my cousin underneath the table. I don't know who put him there. I, that's something I just don't remember. But uh, that is something that, you know, the screaming, the fighting and everything, again, I don't remember what happened I just do remember that clearly like the feet right screaming right hopefully it wasn't like no hitting but all all I just remember is just the screaming of course gosh they're not together anymore but yeah oh absolutely something nice no absolutely thank gosh because uh no she definitely didn't deserve that and especially and you were probably thinking about it you're probably under there with the baby I mean, honestly, like keeping him out of eyesight, you know, because it's crazy because, um, in high school, my family did foster care and you learn some things with that. And it's a natural instinct for the oldest to always take care of the youngest. And it's just unbelievable. The fact that, I mean, at such a young age, we have these natural instincts to look after the youngest, you know, because they know that we know, like we know like just within our natural instincts that they can't take care of themselves. And so uh, we actually had a set of three kids under three. And so can't, uh, so the oldest was a boy. The second um, oldest was a girl. The oldest boy, he was three. The second oldest was two. And then the youngest was a little girl and she was a six months old. And so their case was incredibly sad because it was neglect And I mean, their heads were flat because their mom, their mom like didn't take care of them. Oh, they were all brothers and sisters? They were siblings. It was a sibling set. Yeah. And so it was incredibly sad. But one thing that I learned from it, it it was sad too, honestly, because it wasn't, the neglect wasn't necessarily intentional. And I say that in a way because their mom um, was tested. Her IQ was tested. And it was shown that she actually had the IQ of a second grader. Like she, honest to God, like she didn't know how to care for children. And so, yeah, it was a really sad situation. And so watching this three-year-old little boy 
take care of his siblings was just insane. I mean, he's three years old and he would monitor you. Like he would, if you were changing the baby's diaper or his little sister's diaper or doing anything, he would ask you, what are you doing? Like he'd want to know what you were doing and if you were hurting them because he looked after them. He was the one that, and like literally he would give the baby the bottle and like feed the baby. Like he would take care of it to make sure that she was fed. And it's like, it's amazing that, I mean, at that young of an age, he hasn't obviously been taught that he's just, it's just natural instinct. We need to feed the child, you know? So probably surprisingly, like just makes me imagine Adeline being like that when eight years old, she's like, literally she feeds herself, but it's like, I have to give having, you know, right. And then having to her to feed like her other little siblings, it's awful. It was, it was hard. Uh, That was our first case. And I mean, I cried because they had never, they never got baths. Like they've never been like bathed regularly. And like they wigged out, like it was traumatizing. And it like broke my heart because, you know, bath time for kids is like the best time. And they wigged out and I cried. Like all I I just cried because I just, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine, you know? And so I really pray, of course, that those kids are doing better and that they found a good home because, yeah. How old do you? Are they supposed to be now? He's 11. Okay. So he's about 11 now. So I'm really praying for, you know, I hope that they were able to find a good home. It was really sad. Honestly, they didn't even stay with us too long because their caseworker didn't gather enough information. So when they presented it to court, um, there wasn't sufficient evidence to keep them in foster care. So they had to send them back home. And that's just one of the examples of how the system fails our kids a lot. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because just kids just don't deserve that at all. But um, so there is actually a phrase that I did not know um, coming to take from this this article is actually complex trauma. I could not, I've never heard it. Um, I mean, of course we hear that we have complex feelings and emotions and I mean, everything in life is so complex, right? (laughs) Like the older we get, the more we realize it's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray area too. And you know, it's just not always just right or wrong. You, there's so much in between, you know, and you have to factor in every detail. And so it's the same with complex trauma. So complex trauma is categorized as a subtle, slow burn type of childhood experience that affects a person just as profoundly. And so we're talking as if um, you're constantly being spoken down to, like these side comments from your parents, side comments from aunts and uncles that eventually really start to build up and reflect in your character later on. And it's just as traumatizing and just as it it affects a person just as profoundly as the big, you know, type of abuse um, like characteristics, you know, with physical, mental, I mean, you know, the extreme types of abuse. It's just as Mm -hmm. profound with that slow burn. And it's like fast shaming. Yeah. Fat shaming. I mean, that really, that's a, uh, yeah. When you're constantly getting side comments from, you know, your tias or your aunt, your uncles from your own parents, 
um, that maybe you shouldn't eat so much or watch mm-hmm. your weight because you don't want to like end up like me. I got that a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, that really creates, it gives you a complex growing up for sure that you're always thinking that I need to watch myself because, you know, I think especially for our generation, we were just taught that, you know, being fat or being chunky, being, you know, with a little bit of curves or a little bit of extra weight, I mean, it's not okay. You know, it's viewed as uh, bad, you know, that's all it is. It's just bad. And it's not, it's not something that should be viewed like that because a lot of times individuals who are heavier or have more weight on them, it's not just because what, that they're eating poorly and not taking care of themselves. Some individuals have really bad metabolisms that affect, like there are different circumstances, hormonal imbalances that keep weight on them. Like you really don't know a person's situation. Right. And so you really don't know anybody's situation. So immediately to deem that on a child to think that, oh, a certain like weight is bad and it's looked at negatively and to put and instill that into your child, it's like, it affects you later on. I mean, it affects, I know me and you for sure that we've both had to, you know, think about how much we eat. We worry about our weight all the time. And unfortunately it's something that I don't want to say we'll never go away. I mean, it's definitely, we, I feel like both of us with our, you know, our health journey that we took two years ago with each other, we really tried to reiterate that it's not just losing weight. We're honestly just do it. We're doing it for our health. We're turning it. We turned it into a positive perspective that we were doing it for ourselves because it is important for you to eat healthy and exercise and take care of yourself. But that doesn't always mean that it looks the same for everybody else, you know? Yeah. Like just because an individual who does the same as you has a six pack and is jacked, it looks the same on you, like as another person, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. As growing up, like I had that, like I was always chubby. Like I look at my pictures, you know, I always, I was always a little chubby kid. And, um, that is something that did affect me. And like growing up, you know, I was still like, like, I, I just didn't like it, but um, it's true. You know, we did took that two-year journey, but that's something that we wanted to make ourselves better, you know, by exercising. No, I didn't exercise a lot, but mostly was eating well and, like, dropping a few pounds to make us feel better about ourselves, improve our health, and, you know, thankfully, all of that really worked well for us, and I'm, yeah. you know. And we were able to take that whole diet culture and fat shaming into our own hands and kind of be able to heal it in a way, because I know that when we were doing that, like clean eating, whole food eating, um, we weren't shaming ourselves. I mean, if we indulged a little bit, like there was no shame. It's like, no, we're human. We would cheat sometimes. I mean, yeah. And there was no cheating because it was like, you know, we decided that this is what we were going to do from now on. So it's like, we're human if we want to. I mean, eat carbs. If we want to eat some sugar, like there's no shame in it. I mean, we're living, you know, we want to do things that we enjoy. So absolutely. Um, the fat shaming growing up, I I'm no 100%. I mean, almost all of us can relate to that. And I hope that we learn from past mistakes and we don't, we don't continue that cycle with our children. 
because mm-hmm. that is something that definitely in my house will not be tolerated. My you children know, will not have a complex. That did kind of like happen. I actually spoke to my husband about it. Um, I was looking at my daughter's medical medical summary that I have like an app on it. And under hers, it says underweight, no, I'm sorry, overweight child. That I was like, kidding. I swear. There's no like, way. It says, like, yeah, I, I need to show it to you. It has like results. It says something like overweight child, just because my daughter is two pounds over what she's supposed to be. And what like, the heck? yeah. And even when I went to and the. And she's incredibly tiny. Like, there's nothing <laughs> on her. Like, even when I went to the doctor's office, actually, I didn't go. My husband went when cause she was like having her little. Twenty-four month checkup, mm-hmm. not twenty-four. I, I don't remember thirty, and the doctor even said, "Oh, she's a little bit overweight." And I was just like, when my husband told me, I was just like, "Fucking bitch!" Like it, it just pissed me off. Yeah, I was like I was told like that as a kid, the my whole life, my whole childhood. Yeah. And now, like my little my daughter, who's only three years old, is it's already starting. It's already I starting. Told, oh I was like, my like, gosh. Hey, like screw them! Like it just pissed me off. Like I hope all the moms like get upset about it because it pissed me off. I was just like, yeah, because you know that hurt too. Like yeah. in the negative connotation that comes with it. And the good thing is, is that like being able to learn from the past and from our parents' mistakes, from their parents' mistakes, is that we can kind of filter and then navigate how they feel about it. Yeah. And so, um. Like, for example, I guess I could think that's just crazy to me. I can't believe it. Because if you would see this kid, she's tiny as ever. Like, she's so small. And they're going to say this kid's overweight. Like, oh my gosh, that's just unreal to me. I can't. It's like, no, I, I, I can't eats, wrap my head around it. Like, <clears throat> she's like a bird. Like, she eats yeah, like a little bird. Yeah. Like she literally nibbles on food and she, yeah. oh my gosh, she's so tiny. And yeah, um, I just learned about it like maybe two, three days ago. That's why I haven't even told you about it. Yeah. It hasn't even come up in our conversation, but I saw that and I was just like, it just pissed me off. Like, That's ridiculous. God. Honestly, I can't. And the good thing though about it is that, and she's such, she's still so young, so she's not very aware of what that means, but you can definitely go moving forward if on her doctor's visits or anything, if comments like that are made to her, you can reiterate that, I mean, that doesn't define her. Like her weight doesn't define her. What defines her is, you know, one, her heart, of course, does she have a good heart? And what she puts into her body. And we know that she's eating well, like she's a healthy little girl. So, I mean, it's just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. As long as you're taking she care of her. Sick. You know that. It? I always tell you, like she barely gets sick. Right. Like, and that's something that I hope that we can all learn again, is just that we're able to take that and spin it around and bring, um, bring some positive to it you know like we don't need to be giving our children any type of comments like that we need to uplift them and not and not give them our complexes ourselves you know because I felt like that was something that I really 
I got growing up is that they would kind of pass on their insecurities to me, my family. They would bring things up like, oh, you have this like me or something. And I'm like, and prior to even being commented on that, I didn't know, like it was a bad thing, you know? Like I didn't realize it was a bad thing until I was told by my loved ones that it was wrong. Like I was told that my big arms, like my arms are bigger. I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't know that was a bad thing or that I had cellulite on the back of my legs. I didn't know that was a bad thing. I didn't even know what cellulite was, you know? Mm -hmm. And so until I was told those things and it was made to like, be like a bad, negative, nasty thing and an unattractive thing that was, it was until then that like, I was, I mean, oblivious, pure, you know, just a kid. And then the aftermath is that's my biggest, you know, insecurities now are my legs and my arms. And that's something that I do not want to pass on to my children that instead of my arms being big, my arms are strong, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not big. If they are big, it's because they're strong because I'm able to lift things. I'm able to carry things. I'm able to carry my children. I'm able to carry, you know, heavy burdens for my family and give them to God. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just spin them into positive things because it's not something that I want my children to ever feel. And it's not something that I will allow (laughs) to be commented on, on them by anybody. Of course. It's just, it, it, it does. It affects you later on in life. And, um, it sucks because you carry that forever. I mean, unfortunately it's something that you, you literally carry it forever and then you have to like reteach yourself in a different perspective. And that's even harder, you know, because at such a young age, you're more influential. So, I mean, when your mom tells you something at that age, it's just gold, like her words are gold and mom's right. So when you're older, you have more voices and now your own voice that you have to learn to trust on more. Oh God, we know social media filters. (laughs) Of course, you know, we use them, but like, it's just, it's just too much. But uh, yeah, that can also be considered trauma. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of topics about that. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Going back to the complex trauma, um, a lot of the effects. So one of the effects from the complex trauma is it's difficult. So complex trauma is oftentimes difficult to pinpoint, describe, or even recall. They happened, they may even happen to appear in like flashbacks. Like when a comment's made to you, I get these all the time that I'll start talking. When I start to talk about child, my childhood trauma, more of my memories start to pop up. So if I start talking about one topic, it brings me back to something else that I completely forgot. And so, um, the same thing can result into, um, this complex trauma when you're not, you can't easily pinpoint it, but then you get these little snapshots from your childhood when you just, Oh, remember that. Oh, my mom said that to me one time at dinner and, and then that led to this. And then before then this actually happened. And so it is, it's oftentimes hard to pinpoint. And so what often happens is that it can lead to a general feeling of distress and detachment. And it's a feeling that oftentimes sneaks up into a person's adult relationships. And even when those relationships are with people who aren't harmful. So oftentimes it can relate to, relate to you simply not trusting 
hardly anyone. I mean, even people who are worthy to be trusted, it's difficult to latch on because I mean, you've been burned Girl, by the people that you thought you could trust. Yeah. That's basically not a childhood trauma, but that happens with your like relationship wise. Like yeah. the more you get heartbroken, like when the real one is there, you know, it's like really hard to like come back. Right. Come back. Yeah. No. That's yeah. Super true. No. Yeah. Um, just from my experiences alone, it's hard to like, it's just sad to say, but like, I'm always expected. I'm always expecting to be left, you know, like, that's what I'm always expecting. Like, I'm always expecting for the, like someone to walk away. So like, I always have to prepare myself for the aftermath of that. Like, how am I going to pick myself up? Because I was left, you know? And so I hate when I talk about that, that actually gets me emotional. (laughs) But sometimes your dreams. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess that's one of my physical. Yeah. One of my physical symptoms is I always have the dream that I'm being left and I'm getting murdered and I'm being left alone to figure it out by myself. Yeah. She always tells me and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) The same thought. It's the same thing every time. Like I'm always being left to like figure everything out by myself. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm always like preparing for is to be left and then to pick it up in the end because I mean I had to do it before and it sucks like it sucks but and it really it upsets me because like for my husband for example I mean he's someone that can be trusted like I mean he's shown time and time again that he's trustworthy he's not going anywhere and he's a good man from a good family and still I'm still sitting like with my own problems thinking, well, one day he could leave, you know? So I have to, I have to figure out what could happen after that. Like, am I going to be able to provide for my kids? Like, I just, I, it's something that's constantly in my head. Like it never goes away. I'm always wondering when it'll happen. And so that's definitely something that is real and um really sucks and you definitely have seeking professional help definitely helps a lot um i am learning new coping mechanisms every week with her so i definitely definitely recommend um getting a therapist and diving into some of your childhood trauma yeah or if anything just Talk to a good friend, you know. Yeah, I talk to anybody, yeah, that you trust. Absolutely, yeah. Even, yeah, simply like you said, like simply just talking it out honestly helps too. Because the more you talk about it, the more it doesn't necessarily become that internalized problem. It's just now something that you lived with, you lived through, and now it's something that you can just comfortably talk about, you know? Like it's not just that internalized thing, that, that trauma, that still breaks you up inside. Now you can talk about it and you're not as angry or as upset. It's almost like you're, you're just processing through your feelings, you know? And that's mostly what, I mean, therapy is. You're just, you're talking it through. You're working through yourself. Yeah. Never. And pray. I definitely recommend prayer, praying to Jesus and giving it to him because trust me, all men will fail you, but he never will. So that's definitely where my faith is in 
and that helps me <laughs> with my nightmares <laughs> and everything else. Um, okay. And so our next article, this is signs of trauma and signs you may be dealing with lingering effects from childhood trauma. And so the PTSD that you can the signs that you're still processing and it's not fully dealt with for you and your lingering effects. One of the signs is, um, you oftentimes are reliving the event. So there's oftentimes flashbacks or nightmares. So we fall back into the nightmares. Um, there is avoidance, anxiety, depression, anger, problems with trust, self-destructive or risky behaviors, and withdrawal. So basically, like half of what we just talked about (laughs) just now. We just went through it right now. Yeah. Reading the article. Yeah, um, absolutely. These really do. There's actually one that just came to my mind right now. Uh, When I was younger, my dad would take me and my little sister to the flea market we will always go every weekend to one and um funny thing back then as a kid i was like eight nine years old i was not shy to dance in front of people like i would just dance in front of people like i wouldn't care and like i don't know i do remember like having like a lot of stares Mm -hmm. and ever since that day i've always been shy to dance why you fell down the stairs no i just just felt like a lot of people were looking at me but oh, not in stairs. Good way. Oh, okay. Yeah, stairs. Yeah, stairs. Sorry. Um, not like in the good way. So ever since then, that's one of the reasons why I just don't dance in front of people. Like, Aww, I don't yeah. dance with Yankee. You know, I've I've never danced in front of him. You know, he's yeah. always like, oh, dance. But, you know, but I'm like, no, you're just going to look at me weird. So I don't dance. Aww. Like if I dance, I'm like, it's with the baby. Like, we're both dancing, making like a fool out of each other, but that's it. I don't dance in front of people because of what happened that day. Like that's I remember crazy. just having stairs. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that was something. It was funny. We were actually me and my little sister were dancing "Gasolina," you know, by Daddy Yankee. Shut up! I love that song. <laughs> my mom used to play it for me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it was like it was. 2004, because it was, it was when that song was super popular. Uh-huh. My like, mom had it on DVD. She would play it for me. Like, I would just dance, 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 dance. Like, I, I don't know if my little sister You're shaking your ass at the flea market? No, <laughs> I wasn't shaking. I would be, like, like kind of, like, doing, like a, <laughs> like, a little thing with my hands. I don't remember. And, like, um, no, it was never trashy. <laughs> Girl, was, like, the song it, itself, though. You know, but you know how, like, as a kid... You don't, know, you don't know what the song. Oh, yeah. do you remember that song? Like what he used to say. I mean, me gustan los mayores. I remember he seeing like a video of little girls dancing that and singing it. I'm like, you don't know what the song means. Like, Girl, like it really messed I me up. I literally remember listening to um, "I'm in Love with a Stripper." I used oh, me to too. Sing that me too. All the time. Hey. Yeah. Me too. I, <laughs> I used, used to, to sing that too. one. In birthday sex back when I did yes. sex was yes like, birthday, birthday sex, sex. <laughs> I didn't even know what the fuck that was that or <laughs> the holiday inn by Pitbull 
You remember that one? No, actually, don't. The hotel, motel, holiday. Damn, that was oh, that's what it said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like it's just like we're so innocent to some things. Yeah. Maybe that's why later on I didn't realize that some of the things that like I had went through was so messed up. Cause you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think about it. And then, yeah. you know, you start talking as an adult and you're like, Hey, that's kind of messed up. Like that no. shouldn't have happened. Like, for example, Bad Bunny. I love Bad Bunny. Love his music. And I was listening to this song. I forgot what's it called. Oh, I forgot what's it called. Whatever. That song. I sing it. And like Adeline, I can see her kind of like mumbling the words, and I'm like, oh. no, 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 and I'm like, oh. change the song, and then we put like BTS on, and she's like, right, no, 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 no. I know. I always have to filter my music too when I'm with my little sister because I always feel bad. Because <laughs> and then I like I got to the point where you know I would play her Spanish songs that she loves, and then Tosa by Carol G. Remember. She loves that, but it's with, you know, Nicki Minaj. So I'd have to fast forward through the part with Nicki Minaj because it's so bad. And it's in English, so she can understand it. Yeah. So, like, I'm over here having to fast forward so she doesn't get any trauma from me. <laughs> Sissy letting her say nasty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's probably – that definitely had to have been what it was. I mean, me recollecting – recalling all of these memories thinking oh you know that was just you know life <laughs> for everybody yeah it definitely wasn't um but I mean I think that's such the the pureness in childhood is that we really don't know the bad you know too much we don't know the bad we don't know what's wrong we just know Until, that like we were having talk fun <laughs> yeah exactly we yeah were yeah, we just talk about as adults, and we're like, "Well, why did shouldn't that happen?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have been having fun like that. Yeah, no, my sad flea market one. The one that just I don't dance in public because I'm like shy. People are just looking at me, and I'm like, "Nah, no, it's not gonna happen." I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, I think I was more shy. I was more shy as a kid, so I didn't dance too much in public. I was very more backwards as a child I was very observant I remember that like I didn't I didn't approach people too frequently like I was very quiet right now yeah and now now I'm yeah now I'm pretty much the same way but like if I know like my environment then no I'm not like so reclusive but if I'm new to a place yeah I'm very very observant what about like you know how we kind of have like the vibe thing of the office like or something when we used to work together you think that's kind of like a traumatic thing that would happen oh yeah probably like, like a flight or having flight that a lot of kid. like yeah like a flight or flight yeah. response that's real i i mean we have that like we can sense signs that like something feels you know kind of not dangerous but you know what i mean like red flags yeah. red flags pop up i remember and it actually can, do yeah. remember one when I went to a party, it was one of my tia's party and party. And I remember telling my mom, hey, mom, I want to leave. And she's like, why? And I was like, I just don't want to be here. I, I want to leave. And oh, like she took what I said into consideration and went to tell my dad, hey, Maribel doesn't want to be here. She wants to leave. She said she doesn't feel well. And we left like 
probably like God. 20, 30 minutes later, but we did leave because I told my mom that I did not feel well. And I, you know, because of the, just the vibe of the people that I was getting yeah. and we left, we left. Right. No, I think that's, that's very important. There's actually this story that I read and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it too on Insta where the girl, um, from a very early age, her mom had sat her and her brother down and decided that they needed a safe word. Right. And so like, if they were ever in a situation where they felt uncomfortable that she needed to remove them from that situation. Mm -hmm. And she had actually brought up that she was at a friend's house when she was in her teens and her friend's dad and her older brother were getting drunk and like making really inappropriate comments towards her and her code, her safe word was Skittles. And so she had actually called her mom to say goodnight. Right. And so when she finished the conversation, she told her mom, she was like, Hey, when you pick me up, can we get some Skittles? from the gas station and not even 15 minutes later, her mom came and picked her up. She was like, let's go because she knew that. I mean, I mean, that was the safe word. There was something going on and she needed to be removed. And so oh that's God. definitely a nice tip to give your kids and to have later on mm-hmm. um, as they grow older. Yeah. I mean, even into adulthood, you know, like, Oh, you'll always be there for your child. So, I mean, <laughs> if you're a 25 year old kid saying, Hey mom, pineapple, <laughs> like, come pick me up. (laughs) Like you're going to go pick your kid up, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely, that's definitely a great tip that I know that I'll use with my kids is we will have a safe word, no matter what they're feeling not okay with where they're at, then they'll let me know and we'll leave. Yeah. And like right now as an adult, you know, three, three years ago, my dad, he had a stroke Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, ever since dad, I always have my phone on volume like no matter what even if I'm tired I have it with volume up with um full charge because that day it happened to my dad I actually had my phone in vibrate and I was pregnant at that time so my phone had fallen off the bed so I didn't notice until like I woke up in the morning and I was like oh where's my phone ended up finding like five like missing calls from my sister I don't my mom had a phone back then but I did have like you know text messages and in um calls and yeah. about just getting to know what had happened and as soon as I saw them I grabbed my phone and I called my mom and I was like hey what is going on back then I didn't know what a stroke was because it was told to me in Spanish until yeah. I googled it and that's when I found out and so yeah right. that's a little trauma that I got I always keep my phone with volume and like ring her up just for anything that happens right exactly Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I read as well that I've seen in you know social media that's been brought up on my feed a lot lately is that feeling of being ultra independent and I feel like a lot of us women nowadays feel the need to be so independent and it actually some of it can seed from the fact is that we were neglected in ways that we had to be independent because we couldn't really rely on anyone but ourselves and we didn't want to rely on anybody for ourselves because they would end up disappointing us and so um it's called dismissive avoidant attachment and 
it's not necessarily a way like, oh, they're, you know, the child's not being fed or their basic needs aren't being met. But I mean, simple emotional needs too go a long way. And when your emotional needs aren't being met as well, you start to form your coping mechanisms and it gets to the point where, I mean, you don't need anybody because why would you, you know? And I know me and my husband actually just were talking about this the other day because my, um, my brother now he like lives alone and it's like crazy for my husband, for example, to imagine being alone just because he grew up with five siblings. They were always together. They still are. We're very, very close. I mean, we were just at their house today, the family's house. We were all together. And so the concept of being alone as an adult or being alone, period, living alone is kind of taboo for him. But however, for my little brother and I, we spent a lot of time alone. We spent a great part of any time that we had alone in our rooms because it was honestly the only time that we got peace and we weren't constantly, you know, being put down by our ex, our ex stepdad and constantly just being made, you know, to feel like we're not worth anything. And so we just kind of formed, you know, our own coping mechanism, our own coping mechanisms to where, I mean, we don't need that praise, you know, we don't need that praise and we don't need that any type of negative comments, negative energy, anything, anything negative we don't need. So we can just simply remove ourselves. So, I mean, if it means being alone, then we're more than happy to be alone. And again, like, it's a good thing too, that it's so taboo for, for a lot of people to think that, you know, living alone is crazy. I mean, what a blessing that is, but for some people who grew up in environments like that, that's paradise to not constantly be around someone who makes you feel like, you know, you're worthless because I mean, yeah, we were constantly told that. Did I ever told you, I don't know if I ever did that when I was like, probably like before, probably like a year before I met Yankee. Um, I remember like crying to my mom saying, I think when I'm older, I'm going to die alone. And my mom was like, she got scared. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I am scared. I'm going to die alone in an apartment by myself. And my mom was like, what the fuck? Like, I think she started crying. She was just like, oh, I'm so scared for me. She was like, like, what the fuck? Are you hiding? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, My mom got super worried about me. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just have so much bad luck at guys. No, no. 17 years old back then. Right. You're still a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Trauma comes in all shapes and sizes. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the um, another article that I had read um, that actually I got brought up in therapy in my own session is that I myself had been parentified. And so one of the signs of parentification is that oftentimes when you meet a child that's wise beyond their years. And so I've constantly gotten that. I've constantly gotten that comment that, oh, she's so mature. Like she doesn't act her age. Like she acts so much older. I mean, yeah. And that's completely true. I mean, my actions have proven that I got married at 19. Like I have this goal to have a family, have a future. And 
you know, a lot of people look at that as being just so much more ahead of my time because I mean, I still have friends that, you know, that I grew up with that. I mean, they're still in their young college partying phases and they're living it out. You know, they're living their best lives. And I think that's awesome for them. But for me, this is me living my best life. <laughs> like I just, I'm, I feel like, I don't know, like, not that I skipped that period. It's just that I don't, I never felt the need for it. You know, I haven't felt the need for it. And so what parentification is actually is feeling responsible for your younger siblings. And so I have that seated in me that I constantly worry for, you know, my younger siblings. It's like they, they're in my mind every day, all day, because I think that they're my responsibility and that I need to take care and provide for them, you know, and it's not true. Like that's something that the older you get, you have to learn is that they're not your responsibility. They are not your children. They are your siblings and it is your job to love and support them, but you are not responsible for them. And that is something that I tell myself, but I don't believe yet because I absolutely feel responsible for them both. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's, uh, I think something that it's going to, it takes a long time to grow out of because, <laughs> you know, you're raised that way. It's just what you think. And so this is something also from the same article that actually reads that narcissistic behavior is a result of childhood trauma that's developed over the years. And so of course we know narcissism is, which is something that I recently learned, which is crazy. Um, narcissism actually cannot be cured. I, I mean, to me, that's just wild, you know? Did I, I, see that? I think I saw that on Instagram and a post. I sent, I sent it to you, yeah. Okay, yes. I, yeah, uh -huh. I sent it to you that narcissism actually cannot be cured. Um, it is oftentimes individuals know that it cannot be cured and they will go to therapy to figure out how to be a better narcissist. Mm. So honestly, that is, it's sad because I mean, I know we've encountered a narcissist, Maria, in our time. And what's sad about it is that narcissism, narcissism, the actual term um, is actually in a disorder in which a person has an inflated sense of self-importance. And so narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men, but I mean, women can be narcissists as well, <laughs> but I mean we can think of someone. <laughs> yeah. um, symptoms include an excessive need for admiration, disregard for others' feelings, an inability to handle any criticism, and a sense of self-entitlement. The, hmm. disorder, the, dis the disorder needs to be diagnosed by a professional and treatment involves talk therapy. And then, of course, as we've learned, it's talk therapy honestly fuels, it helps with their narcissism to manipulate and get what they want. And so it's, it's really sad. The fact that it results from childhood trauma and that it wasn't something that they were born with. It was something that they ended up developing over the years because of the trauma. And it, again, like they were not born with that. It was lack of what attention, love, basic needs. Like it was a lack of a lot of things that that child needed. And they grew up developing this personality disorder 
that, I mean, affects them for, I mean, forever for their everyday life now into adulthood and that, I mean, it's sad when you think about it, because of course, I'm sure we can all sit here and say, yeah, we for sure know a narcissist and we can, we have plenty of stories for, I mean, narcissist. I definitely do. Maria, I'm sure we, we can go on and on, but it's uh, ultimately looking from a place of compassion. It's, it sucks. Like it sucks the fact that they can't really feel that empathy, sympathy, and compassion for another person. And that's such a gift that I feel like we're blessed with as humans is that we can feel that compassion and empathy for another human being. And when to think of someone that lacks that, it's, it's honestly really sad to even comprehend. So I just thought that was very interesting. I didn't know that it was developed I, I, I guess I just thought it was, you know, <laughs> I guess I thought you were just born with it, but no, it is something that is developed through years of trauma. So to conclude this episode, we just want to say that I honestly didn't think that this episode would be as heavy as it is. I mean, of course the topic says childhood trauma and I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> but I had a little bit more stories and um, I was very interested in pointing out all of the informational things that I learned. And I hope that this episode really helped you feel heard and uh, I mean, in your struggles throughout the years and know that you as well. I mean, we're not alone. I feel like all of us have gone through trauma, some worse than others. And definitely my advice, seek help in any way. Talk to a trusted friend, um, a professional, pray, anything that helps you cope and build those healthy coping mechanisms will go a long way for your everyday life. So we all as a community can become better individuals. So I'm so thankful to spend another week with you. I hope you guys have a wonderful week and we can't wait to hear from you next week. Our second month, (laughs) that will be month two of Just Girls Talking Podcast. And I'm so glad we've made it. So hope everyone has a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week and we will see you. We will hear you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.